Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Command Space. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm your host as always. I have a very special episode for you today. Um, I have two guests. I am first joined by Mr. Dalton Caldwell, CEO of App.net. And then I'm joined by Mr. Bill Kuntz, who is the developer of my favorite App.net client, Felix. So I hope that you will enjoy our guest today. And first, as I mentioned, I'm joined by Mr. Dalton Caldwell himself. Hi, Dalton. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Excited to be here again. No problem. And you did tell me this before the show, so I'm going to say it anyway. It's your birthday today. Happy birthday. Thanks. Yeah, it is it is February 27th. That's my birthday. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, the first. I really enjoyed the first show and just the feedback that I saw and that you saw was, was really special and partially what inspired me to do our own official podcast just based on how well the first one I did with you went. So again, like I, I really appreciate um, talking with you again. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so you were on in November was the when I had you on last. And um, so yeah, you've got your own show. So I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, to the the podcast that you guys have got. Um, which you give a lot of great sort of inside information. It's a it's a good resource for people that are interested, I think. Yeah, it's not for everyone, but there's there's definitely what I found after your and I's interview is there's a lot of people that do care about um, hearing things from the uh, horse's mouth, I guess, or yeah, some of the more complicated, intricate concepts that are very difficult to blog or type out. And mm-hmm. so this is a great medium for that. Indeed. Indeed it is. So I thought we'd do, I mean, there's obviously the big topic we're going to talk about today is the, the free accounts that you guys have recently introduced. Like it was this week, wasn't it? Yes, it was on Monday. So yeah, what are we thanks. on? Day, day three. So thanks for doing that before the show. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> that we didn't do this whole show and then it was uh, it wasn't there. So I'm really pleased you guys did that, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But before that, I want to I want to just discuss um, some of the the other changes. Some significant, but um, have been overshadowed a little bit with the most recent news. So I guess probably the biggest thing that you guys have done, I think, since since we spoke in November, is the file API. Um, and it's kind of it, this is maybe one of those things that you know from the last time that we spoke. It probably will take a while to realize its full potential. But I mean, do you want to give us a little bit of background around that? Sure. Um, so if you recall from the first time that we talked, yeah. um, my the big thesis with app.net is that um, there are certain aspects of a social API. Um, there's certain properties that you need to have a social API for it to be complete. Um, so let me define those. Um, your social graph, so that's either follows or following or you know, Google Plus circles or Facebook friends or Tumblr followers. There's, there's different models, but at the end of the day, we could summarize that as a social graph. There's identity slash login. And so this would be things that are OAuth credentials. And again, there's, there's a lot of providers that do, do kind of OAuth identity. Um, there's also your stream slash inbox metaphor where information is posted to and comes from. And what I would argue is that a key, an additional building block to that is actually file storage. Um, because if you try to reduce down to its constituent parts, um, the thing, you know, Tumblr and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat, um, you know, if you boil down the UIs, uh, files are, are clearly part of what makes all of those things tick. And the big vision for app.net is to have 
um, a social, an unbundled social API that allows you to build a wide variety of applications. Um, and I've been saying, saying this one since day one. And, you know, we thought that having files available in the API was absolutely necessary to reach that particular vision. And from an end user's perspective, the idea is that say some hot new app comes out in the app store, right? Um, something like vine or something, right? And, you want to try it out. From a user's perspective, your ideal use case um, is that you can log in, you could bring your social graph with you because it's your social graph, and you could also optionally import in your content because it's your content and use that application. And rather than your your personal content being locked in that silo, um, if all of your data stays in your personal bucket, Right, mm-hmm. uh, you can bring it with you and, and easily and seamlessly switch between different applications um, if and when you no longer get value from a certain one. And to me, the file API is our mechanism to to attempt to create that vision, which I think is is very much what users want. I mean, given all the Instagram flap we saw a few months ago, I actually think that's that maps closer to the user metaphor of what they want from a social service. It's just the business models have not necessarily supported that. Um, so, so that was, that was a lot there, but basically there's the developer aspect of what is the files API and what could I do with it? Right. And there's the, why is I, why do I as a user care about something like the files API? So I tried to just summarize both of those. Do you have any sort of, um, use cases you'd love to see? Like, do you have any sort of ideas that you think this, this is what the files API is for? Uh, yes. So I'm going to try to, in fact, I'm going to try to write a blog post about exactly this, just to give people ideas. Um, there was one developer on, on app.net, uh, Ludolphus, I hope I'm saying that right, who he had this um, console to test all the API calls, and he added support for the file API, so you could see a complete listing of it and add and remove files to it, and it was developer-focused. And I suggested to him, uh, nicely, that he should just make that into a full-blown file manager. And that in, all that was was him actually unwriting code and just extracting a small part of the thing he had written and making that available. And um, that is obviously very handy. So uh, you can go, it's files-app.net. You can go and it, it's a web-based complete file manager that, you know, that is pretty handy. So, so let, me, let me toss out a few ideas for the file API. Um, workflow applications, right, where say you want to take a screenshot and push it different places, um, this would be a great way to, to push that through. Um, collaboration or file sharing. If you look at our Omega web interface, which we BSD licensed, so anyone that wants to take the code and use the code, there's free to do so, um, you can upload files into that private messaging room and uh, all the other parties will get a copy of it. Um, so the use case of like... Uh, HipChat or Yammer or what have you, um, you already you can actually already do that, and it works today <laughs> using the Files API. So um, any kind of collaboration use case. Um, there's uh, one of the things that I talked about on uh, a, a podcast with Glenn Fleischman recently that I don't think is released yet uh, was building it into a text editor <laughs> so that you could push around uh, snippets of text or backups through it. Um, so so I don't want to ramble on too much for you, but the idea is there's a lot of things that are handy about iCloud 
and you can take for granted that you have iCloud as an API, but iCloud does not work if you, you know, if you use Android or a few other applications. Um, and it's very difficult, the way iCloud's API is set up, to share files between apps. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's, a lim- it's an intentional limitation in that API. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is if you build an app.net app, you can take for granted that the user has block-level file storage to do um, whatever with. Um, to give you one more example, I'm thinking about it. Uh, I would love to see someone build a browser plugin, and I, I mentioned this to a couple of people that have built Chrome plugins, that detects MP3s on the page or videos on the page and inserts into the page a little button that just copies that to your personal cloud in one click. Um, I've been wanting someone to build that for a year, even before app.net existed, and it, I wish someone would. So anyway, those are some ideas. Uh, yeah, just a few. <laughs> and I'm sure there's many, many more than we could possibly come up with ourselves. Um, so, so there you go. So you've added a couple of other things that I'll just run through. So the Places API, you've got that now. You have a new Find People tool. Um, email notifications. Um, I guess this is the thing that the, the feature that everybody loved about these is that you can turn them on, like they're off by default, right? Correct. Yes. Which is exactly uh, how we would want it. That's how I would want it. So right. I mean, I that's I try to use that as my bright line. Myself is I wear my user hat and I wonder how I would feel about changes, right? And. And sincerely, that's what when we try to make these. That's the that's the moral compass that we're trying to follow. And I'm sure we'll screw up, but I really don't like unnecessary email notifications myself. So why on earth would we put that in our own service? That would be a terrible idea. <laughs> Which I'm pleased that you think like this. You've um, massively redesigned alpha.app.net. Yes, and you've included messages now, so they don't just live on Omega. Yes, um, and it looks looks great. Looks really great. I mean. So we spoke before, right? So about about the future of app.net and, and the way that you see it going as as not being I mean, and this is what I keep talking about and um, you know, you might have heard it and I know that a couple of the people in your in your team have heard me say this because I keep saying it, is that I don't see app.net the way that it is now forever. Like I envision that it that people think that it's just a timeline Right thing, but it's not that, and I, I see it that in the future, you know, this was after the conversation me and you had made me start thinking differently. That in the future, it will look totally different to what we see now. But you guys are still doing a lot of development on that. I mean, has anything changed for you there? Uh, no, I mean, we we talked about this a bit on, but on our our official podcast. But what I wanted to do before we did the free tier and try to expand it. Hold on, let me silence that real quick no um, was to make a great out of the box experience to try to onboard um, to try to create a nice ecosystem for regular users which we you know out of the gate six months ago yeah, you know this was there was not a great out of the box experience there was no app directory there was just a wiki page full of crap um, you know you had to download there were no builds in the app store. You had to use test flight to get a iOS app. I mean, there's, there were some rough edges, um, there. And so in terms of the changes that we made to the onboarding process and alpha and the invite flow, the philosophy there has been, um, we want it to be a sane and useful experience for people that are not professional software developers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, you know, that's, 
that is definitely the stated goal. Um, and, you know, I don't, maybe we're jumping around too much on the freemium stuff, but this is, this is, this is why we held back on trying to get user distribution is a, we wanted things to be ready and we know, you know, I have a pretty good idea about a, what, a, what a good out of the box user experience is versus a bad one. And we wanted to at least meet our own criteria of, you know, a user experience that is useful out of the gate. Um, and secondarily, we wanted to be able to move the API as fast as we could and put all the pieces in place as fast as we could before too much got built on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because once you, once the concrete uh, hardens, <laughs> it is very difficult to go rewrite things. So if we got the messages API wrong, or if we got the files API wrong, or they weren't written at all, and a bunch of code got written, assuming those things didn't exist, um, or that users took users expected that certain things didn't exist, like normal users, it would be very, very, very difficult for us to go back and rip that out and try to do it a different way. Um, so philosophically, we left, we, we made basically no effort to attract additional normal users uh, and just focused on trying to nail our API and get the best possible ecosystem of good 30, third-party apps built and in progress and create a somewhat sane, out-of-the-box experience for normal people. Um, so does that, I'm sure we'll dig into this more and more, but does that make sense as what the, our guiding philosophy has been the past few months? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and we're going to, as I say, we are going to dig into this a little bit more. Sure. I want to do that in a moment and I just want to just take a very quick break to thank our sponsor. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into that if that's okay with you. Sure. So our sponsor for this week is, of course, the fine folks over at Squarespace.com who give you everything you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace provides you with a fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website, blog, or portfolio. You can put uh, a website together in minutes with Squarespace. They have a fantastic layout engine page builder. You can drag and drop blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content, and loads more. They have beautiful, responsive web design templates. They have great iOS apps, built-in analytics, 24-7 customer support, and loads more. You, you, if, you've, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me talk about Squarespace's fantastic features. But there's one new one that I want to tell you about. So not only did they give you, as I say, everything you need to make a website online, they also have a new thing called Squarespace Commerce. So with Squarespace Commerce, they're giving you all of the tools that you need to start selling things online, whether that be physical goods or digital goods. You can add a fully integrated store to your website, uh, whether it's existing or a new website that you want to set up, and you can instantly start accepting in payments and they've partnered with Stripe to do that. You can sell absolutely anything on Squarespace. Um, they've they've built it from the ground up, as I say, to accept physical or digital goods, and they have a bunch of features that are um, you, you know that they've integrated to make this really easy. So they have inventory management right built into the into the site for you to see so you can manage all of your inventory if you're selling physical goods you can process customer orders they help you print packing slips um, create customizable emails you can set up coupons um, timed expiry um, sort of download links if it's digital goods and loads more they've made it really really easy to integrate a web a store into your website you can set up widgets on other pages to show what sort of products you have it's fantastic it's really simple really easy and it's a lot of fun to create and maintain 
Basically, Squarespace have just added something else incredible to show why they have the full package to build your own website. There's no credit card required to try out Squarespace. You can find out more information and start and get a free trial by going to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. Um, Squarespace starts at $10 a month for their standard plan. And if you sign up for a year up front, you'll get 20% off. If you sign up for two years up front, you'll get 25% off. Um, there are They have an unlimited plan as well that starts at $20 a month, but obviously you get those discounts. And there are additional um, fees and, serve- and charges for the Squarespace commerce stuff, but it's all very, very nicely priced and all upfront pricing, so you can see that on their site. So go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. And when you purchase, you make your first purchase at Squarespace, use the code 70 decibels 2 for an additional 10% off your first order. So go check out Squarespace, everything you need to make an amazing website. So free accounts introduced. So this comes from your blog post. I want to just read out the uh, restrictions that are on the free um, stuff because I feel this is for anybody that doesn't know. So this comes from the app.net blog and I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, free tier accounts are similar to the paid tier accounts with a few limitations. These limitations are as follows. Free tier accounts can follow a maximum of 40 users. They have 500 megabytes of available file storage and free tier accounts can upload a file with a maximum of 10 megabytes. Now there's not a lot of restrictions there. Um, how long did it take you to work out what the right ones were? We've been brainstorming about this since day one, right? Um, as referenced in my blog post, when I announced app.net, I, you know, I made a, a fairly long argument about why I don't like ad-supported social services and why, in my opinion, uh, their interests are not necessarily aligned with users. And so one of the stories that I told was about SourceForge versus GitHub. Um, SourceForge was pretty important to me. Um, as a college programming intern, I worked at SourceForge and worked on SourceForge. So that was the coolest thing in the world for me to have a chance to be a part of a site that I use that much. And, you know, that was all the action happened during that era, um, you know, in, in open source development on, on SourceForge. And the problem with SourceForge was it was, I think I said in my blog post, an ad-ridden piece of crap. um in that they did all these things to annoy you in order to monetize it so you know you know when you're on sourceforge and you're trying to download something and they show you a bunch of interstitial weird pop unders and like it's painful to try to download something on sourceforge um and basically every page is just full of blinking text it's full of blinking banner ads and i mean it's it wasn't good and the idea was we were supposed to just stomach it as users. Like, and again, I worked at the company, so I remember the internal party line. It was like, well, we're providing a free service and we're helping open source, so therefore everyone needs to suck it up and never complain. This is just a necessary evil, you know, stop whining about ads, right? And that was, that was the party line about it. And it was fascinating for me to see GitHub come out and just destroy SourceForge, (laughs) you know? Um, It was better in every way. I mean, you could argue that perhaps the superiority of of Git as a source control tool is is part of it, but um, let's just argue that even SourceForge could adopt Git today. I think they did, or maybe Google code added Git. Um, But the idea is that the user experience with GitHub was 
hey, we provide all this stuff for free to help open source people host their projects. But if you want to use this for business purposes, um, you need a paid account and here's how much it costs. And um, the GitHub guys who I know, you know, pretty well in real life um, didn't raise any money for it and were profitable very early and have been just aggressively building a great, great product, in my opinion. Like the roadmap has been very fast. And the fact that the amount of things that moved over to GitHub that were previously on SourceForge and the amount of innovations that happened on it has been hugely inspiring for me. So I bring this up because this was, this was at the crux of my thinking behind app.net, right? I, I said in the post that, you know, the fact that you pay for, for features is worth it. And it, it, it made that model feel so much superior to its ad-supported counterpart. And the other thing I talked about in that blog post announcing app.net was Dropbox, yeah. where... We trust Dropbox. And if Dropbox put out a blog post tomorrow that said, hey, guess what? Um, we're selling your file listing to the RAAA and the MPAA. So if you pirate any music, uh-oh. You know, right. that, would be, um, that would be such a huge breach of trust, right? It would be unfathomable that they would do that. Or if they said, hey, you can't export your files anymore. Sorry. Um, that would be such an unfathomable breach of trust, right? Or if they blocked IFT, they, they're IFT partners. And if Dropbox said, hey, you can't use IFT with Dropbox anymore, that's unimaginable, right? Mm-hmm. Could we, you know, it's hard to picture, but, you know, IFT did get blocked by some other social services yeah. uh, saying, using those reasons. And so I bring this up to say that the big, big app.net vision in my mind has always been freemium. And we avoided it out of the gate because, we weren't sure what was going to be in the free tier versus the paid tier, just to be completely honest with you. We've been debating this for months. We wanted to give the ecosystem a chance for app developers to build. Um, sorry, there was a fire engine. Yes, uh, clearly. <laughs> we're near a fire station. All right. So we faced this really interesting chicken and egg problem where if the point of app.net is not to use software that we built ourselves. It's rather to build third-party software that looks different. And on day one, there is no third-party software. That is a, that is a chicken and egg problem, right? Like, how do you rec- what do you start with first? Do you, need, do you need third-party apps or do you need mainstream users on a freemium service first, right? You need one of the two. They won't just magically happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And so we opted to to build the developer side out first with the belief that if we put out the tools and we, we nurtured key devs, that there would be enough of an ecosystem over time such that there would be a there there when we were ready to have normal users show up. But um, you, this wasn't like when app.net launched, you guys weren't saying at that point that you wanted to offer free accounts yet. Were you? Was there, is there a, a thinking behind that where you maybe just... We weren't prom Yeah, we, we said... People ask me about this a lot when we yeah. announced, like people read my blog post and now my announcement blog post and we're like, Hey Dalton, you idiot. You uh, reference all these freemium services. And you don't have a free tier. Why are you such an idiot or something? You know, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it was, Why are you such an idiot, Dalton? <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't understand what my own blog post. Um, the reasoning was that we wanted to validate and build, um, see if there was a real paid market, right? Because right. that was, you know, I said that in the blog post, we're trying to validate that this market um, exists and that we, 
because we didn't know how it would be structured, we were afraid that if we promised something and we didn't even know what it would look like, it could have really weird unintended consequences. And okay. this is something I've learned over and over and over and over again in my career is to be very careful about what you promise and how you promise it. Um, because if you, if you say something, people will remember it. <laughs> and so, so in this case, we, we never said, we're definitely going to have free accounts and here's how it's going to work. When we were asked about it, we'd say, we don't know um, and we're not sure how it's going to work. And there were certainly arguments to have uh, a free tier that only could do private messaging or that could post a limited number of times or that, you know, maybe it starts off not completely free. Maybe it's 99 cents. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of wacky ideas we've thrown around. And so to paint ourselves in a corner with no data and no users and app.net existing only as a podcast, or excuse me, as a blog post, <laughs> um, would, that wouldn't. That would be pretty irresponsible, in my opinion. Right. Um, and and that, that's why we chose to be, you know, that's why we chose to never promise that. But, uh, but say it was a possibility. So at the moment, you have to be invited by another um, paid member yes. to, to, to get access to app.net's free tier. Do you envisage at the moment that it will remain like this forever or for a long period of time? So we need more data on that one. Yeah, um, of course. If we open it up day one, we definitely would have crashed. We almost crashed on Monday. Yeah, it was it, <laughs> um, it was slow, wasn't it? it yeah, it was. There was a bottleneck in our code. I mean, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like oh, we need more servers. It was more of like we just hit we hit a we hit a bottleneck we'd never seen before. Yeah, I guess and, you. I, I well, I will ask you a bit more detailed question about this in a minute. But I guess you guys d- didn't have a massive influx like that before. Like a probably um, at this scale, I don't know. Yeah, no, not not really at that scale. And again, it wasn't it wasn't some huge scaling problem we had to stay up all night from, and we just we just we broke uh, too many connections, caching queue, whatever. Anyway, um, it was it was it took us a couple hours to fix, and we fixed it, and now we're fine. And so the reason we wanted to do invite only out of the gate was to not break our infrastructure. A, um, B, our philosophy for since day one was to grow sustainably. And to make moves um, one at a time and with with intention and consciousness. <laughs> Meaning, if we just thrash around, like if we would have thrashed around and had a free tier and had to take it back, that would have been bad. And if we thrash around and we, we make strange decisions and we have to take them back, that would be bad. And so in this case, we wanted to see what would happen by introducing this. And because it's by invite, we can throttle it, we can turn it down. Say there's some huge problem that we didn't even realize, we can actually turn off the invite flow for some amount of time, right? That's yeah. it's our prerogative. And we set expectations that invites are not, you know, a God given right, and that anyone that actually wants to sign up can sign up via the paid account. So it doesn't close the door to everybody. Um, but this just gives us it gives us peace of mind that we can we can be very mindful about about how the service grows. And as I've referenced on our, on our official podcast, um, one of the most exciting things about the whole project has been what a, what a cool community we've had and what a, you know, we're building the plumbing so we can't take credit for the fact that there's really nice people <laughs> and that they're doing, you know, that they care a lot about each other. And we don't just want to show up one day and dump a whole bunch of people into the community and, and screw it up. And so, the thing that's kept me up nights a lot is 
how we could grow this in a way that just doesn't screw everything up that makes this that's made this such a fun and interesting community. Yeah. Um, so again, the invitation system lets us put our foot on the gas or put our foot on the brake, depending on how things are going. So, um, at, at, like, do, are you imagining, or do, do you hope that once people have joined up as free users, they'll enjoy the community and upgrade? Yes. If they get value from it. Um, this is why I like Evernote, Dropbox, GitHub is that you can, get value from those services without paying. And I think that's okay. Right. Like when we were paid only, I personally didn't like the fact that you had to pay to try it out. Right. I don't think that was fair. Um, and so that's why I never encouraged, you know, that's why we never hit people over the head demanding that they pay is that again, I, as a user, I liked the fact that I could create a Dropbox account and try it out. And I chose to pay because I was like, okay, this is good. Check. You know, I enjoy it. Um, but if I was a super lightweight user of Dropbox, I could get value from it without paying. And, and again, GitHub is the same way. It's creating tremendous value for people that are not on the paid tier. Um, but those are still fantastic businesses, <laughs> right? Just immensely popular, immensely profitable. The staff works on interesting problems. Um, so again, that, that's been part of the model here is that, of course, we would like people to upgrade, but we want it be, to be because they get value from it. And we don't want to create some sort of, um, you know, we don't want to pull the rug out from under people that are getting value that, that don't choose to go to the paid tier immediately. And from an ecosystem perspective, the people on the free tier can still purchase apps, they can still pay for software, and they can still use things that are built on the ADN infrastructure. Um, one of the big blocking points that people have had trying to imagine our big vision uh, that we talked about earlier and we talked about in your earlier podcast was, well, if ADN accounts are paid only, none of that stuff's ever going to happen, right? Like yeah. if you wanted to build a commenting system using it, how are you going to do that if it's paid only, right? Good point. Very good point. Like yes. there's, all these, there's all these use cases that are really interesting that would be completely impossible in my opinion. And I would, I'm the first to agree in a paid only universe, right? So we, so those free users existing are actually adding value to the aggregate network and increase the chance that a that some incremental dev would decide to write for the platform. Um, and so thus, we're actually still generating value in that sense. Um, and, you know, and it's consistent with how I, you know, with the kind of service that I would like to use myself to, to have a useful free tier. So with the there being the free tier and the, the paid tier, do you think that in the future you might, well, I, I I assume that the gap may be widened with this. So as you add more features, they may be just for the paid plan, or there might be like a um, crippled isn't the right word, but a, a a lesser version of it for the pay, for the free plan, like how you have the difference in um, maximum file storage sizes. So do you like with your future plans that you have for more features? Do you yeah. see some that will be paid only, and some that will be um, better for paying customers? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think that there are there are you there are features that would only make sense if you're using them in a business or collaborative aspect. That's one of the reasons the file size limit is there. Is that if you're actually using this to push files around between Photoshop or something, <laughs> um, you know that's you're going to need a bigger than a 10 meg file size limit. Um, yeah, totally. So there's there's definitely use cases that we can 
imagine that will make a lot of sense as paid only features. Um, and again, the more like the free users are the marketing and they are the funnel to create paid users. That's why the models that have worked have worked so well, right? No one intends, in my opinion, uh, to sign up to GitHub out of the gate to pay for it and use it for their company and for business purposes. The free accounts are like, oh, this is cool. I use this for all my hacky side projects. And I use it to contribute to open source. And once they use it and they realize how handy it is, then they decide to adopt it for more professional reasons. Um, and I certainly, that is certainly one of the stated goals of, of the sort of apps that people could build on top of the platform. And yeah. one other use case is if people really wanted to use this as a message bus um, to do high rate limit activities, um, like say you wanted to do an Internet of Things implementation of having a bunch of sensors all over the place writing back to a private stream, um, you're going to hit API limits. <laughs> and you certainly, I can imagine higher tiers of service for people that want to use it as a message bus. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, so that's another example of add-ons that we can imagine. So I have a first listener submitted question from C. Franco too, um, and he's mentioning Dropbox. So we've we've spoken a little bit about Dropbox and and GitHub, um, and and you mentioned them in the post, and, and we've spoken about them today. Do you feel any pressure to live up to a success like Dropbox? Well, you know, the thing with success is that it's put on you by external parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's been the strangest part? Um, uh, in my mind about the app.net ride so far is just how much people project things onto me and the company. Yes. Right. Like in my mind, we're building software and it's something that I care about passionately that I, as an app developer, like <laughs> I'm creating the thing that I wanted to exist and I care a lot about it and the team cares a lot about it and we're going to do everything we can to make it exist. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know full well that the, that the grand experiment may not work, but that does not mean we're going to not put our whole hearts into it and try our best. Yeah. Um, but external narratives that are put on us about you know, who I am or what I should live up to or what success looks like or you know, all those sorts of things are sort of besides the point. And I've done everything I can to not even think about them or give a crap if that <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's that's other people's stories yeah. and you know for my story if we work hard and we build good software and we 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 do work that we're proud of uh you know what else what else can you really ask for uh from a professional perspective so totally no, I, I get that's that. about success i get that um at unlock the dock um would like to know what the what the first day response has been like for for free accounts, do you have any numbers you're willing to share, or like percentages and stuff? Like, how what was the response like? You know, how many people and invites have been sent out? We mentioned that you had an influx of users. How did that look? Yeah, well, one of the interesting there's pros and cons to it. One of the interesting things about this is that um, it's easy for third party devs to see from our stat to see what our stats are. So there's that tool App Netizens that yep. shows. Uh, new users per day and post per day and all that um, because it's easy to infer from our post IDs and our user IDs. Um, so I think on the first day we had something like um, 4,200 signups or so, like somewhere between four and 5,000 and the next Tuesday was about the same. Um, and I'm going off uh, U.S. time zones so that those numbers may look differently in their stats, uh, which is a percentage is 
huge. Uh, and again, like I'm glad it didn't grow much more the first day because remember we almost crashed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'd say I'd say it worked great uh, in that sense. And we you know we we want to see what would happen, right? What would be the net effect? Would it cause? Would it break our code from infrastructure perspective? Would it, you know, would it break third party apps? We were very worried that we would accidentally break. Like, I believe that one of the Android apps, his push server got broken because um, he wasn't prepared for it. So, so there's all these things oh, wow. where you're rocking the boat and yeah, yeah. it's okay to rock the boat, but you don't want the boat to tip over. Um, so, so, yeah, so in terms of numbers, you know, that's maybe 10,000 or so since we launched it. Over the past three days, just ballpark, uh, which I would, you know, that's a very significant influx. And it's been done so with a way that I don't feel was caused any really messed up negative side effects to the whole system. Right. Um, So, yeah, that's the that's how it's gone. Well, I'm pleased it's been a success. It definitely sounds like it. Do you, do you judge, I mean, going back to that, but do you think it's been successful? Was this what you expected? Did it surpass your expectations and it live up to them? Did you have any ideas in mind? I think it went better than expectations. Yeah, great. Because it, um, it's kind of like uh, when you're giving, I, I have a son, um, so I have a kid. When you're, when, you're having a, when you're having a kid, when you're thinking about the birth, you just want it to not go wrong, right? <laughs> Success, like something going well means nothing bad happened. Yeah. And so, yes. so, so the fact that nothing bad happened means it went fantastic, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that philosophy. Like, well, one. this has been something we've been thinking about since day one. And it's been, you know, the, this has been the culmination of a whole lot of internal work. And we knew it would be scrutinized to a huge extent. And so, um, you know, the fact that nothing bad happened is a smashing success in my mind because <laughs> uh, we, you know, I was prepared for all sorts of different things happening. Uh, so, so far, so good. Knock on wood. Excellent stuff. So, um, we had, I had, um, Mr. Mr. Red Sweater himself, Daniel Jaukaton, last week, I believe. Yeah, it was last week. And he has asked a question as well. Um, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about this in a moment. Um, and he wants to know if, um, he's curious whether free accounts can vote for the, um, app, developer incentive program um, his feeling is that they shouldn't be able to do this and it should be for paying members only but he would be curious to know if you had reasoned otherwise or if you're willing to share any thoughts on this so yeah so there's a lot to talk about with the developer incentive program mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I'm going to do is put up a new blog post announcing revisions to it to clarify all sorts of questions um, tomorrow such that it's effective March 1 if you recall, we announced the developer incentive program uh, two or three days before October 1st to say, okay, this is what's effective October 1 uh, from this point forward. And so, you know, we're going to be trying to rev a few of the edge cases and and change a few things up um, based on what we've learned in the past five months. And so that blog post will be going up tomorrow uh, for sure. So now let me answer that question directly. Um, no. Users on the free tier's votes will not be counted towards a developer incentive program as he thinks is the right thing to do. Um, however, we do plan on on doing user feedback surveys. Even if you're on the free tier, it just doesn't get counted in the weighting. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we want their data. We want to know. Like to me, one of the things that we'd like to do with the feedback system is 
to have a dashboard for developers to get their feedback, um, to make actionable changes on, and also just as a nice FYI to see if, you know, where they're at. Uh, and so having that data from free tier users actually seems handy. Um, but it will, yes, it will not be counted towards the weighting as, as Daniel would, would, uh, I believe what it sounds like what he would want to have happen. So um, I'm going to ask you why, why do you, why do you guys feel that the, the people that aren't paying for the service shouldn't be counted? Um, unintended consequences. So the, the rationale there is we did our very best to make the incentive program um, not be something that is gamed <laughs> for unintended consequences. And if you did include free tier accounts, you can end up with some fairly perverted incentives um, regarding aligned business models. Yep. And in our case, uh, you know, we want to try to keep that alignment um, as square as possible. And, and again, like peop, app devs are free to have their own business models. So if they have something that appeals predominantly to free users and they want to charge for it and do whatever, that's, they should please do so. Like we, we wholeheartedly encourage that. Um, but again, the, the development center program is, is our, it's the way I've thought about it is that we want the amount of money that flows in the, to the ecosystem to be so large that the, that the developer incentive program is a tiny, tiny, tiny drop in the bucket. Of course. Right. Yes, yes. And so this is kind of a bridge to get from where we started to there. Um, but, but you know, it actually has, in my opinion, had precisely the effects that we wanted out of the gate and has supported a number of, of early devs and, um, you know, not all of them talk about it publicly, uh, like some of the less famous devs, but it's, you know, based on my conversations with them, it has had the the positive intended effect that we hoped it would. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, because it, it, it's smart thinking because you could have an app developer um, just start giving themselves free accounts, you know, by invites and then just voting positively for their application. Not that, you know, the, the community is full of great people, but sure. it, it, yeah. could, it could welcome bad people to start using the API and, and doing things bad. That's correct. And again, the intention is because it's user voting, we genuinely tried to make something that's not meant to be gamed. It's, it's things that people use and that they like. And if they don't feel that it's valuable, then, you know, that's, that's how the whole thing is dispersed. So that's, you know, I want to keep it consistent with that spirit of what is generating utility. Um, and, and that should be how it's dispersed. And, and one of the other things to talk about is that the thing that generates utility may not necessarily be the thing that you use all the time. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That like, yeah. uh, one of the examples I think of is um, like a notification service when something bad happened, like find my iPhone or something. Um, you, know, you don't want to ever actually use that, um, but it gives you huge utility knowing it happens, right? And you have that uh, information. Like, it makes you feel better. And so there's definitely use cases I can think of um, using like the private messages API for notifications or for filtered streams where you may not use that thing every day, but you really, really get value from it and you're happy that it exists and thus you may rate it highly, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to move on and talk a bit more about third-party developers and, and the sure. free stuff, but do, do you want to, is there anything else you wanted to bring up about the the free accounts? <laughs> 
let me think about that. Um, <laughs> so look, so the the goal with the free accounts, we want there to be like thinking back to the big vision. If if you have a social graph and you have an identity service and all that, um, we want there to be a proliferation of as many accounts as possible um, at scale someday. And that doesn't mean that every person will be using them for microblogging. It just means that they're available, right? Uh, it means that they could use them for other potential future use cases. So say if you have an Apple ID, you can use your Apple ID, ID to buy music. You can use it to buy apps. You can use it for iCloud. Like There's all these things you can do once you have an Apple ID yeah. that's pretty nifty. Um, and so to me, the reason that freemium is important in this case is so that there are there's it's very accessible to be able to use that particular uh feature and and hopefully i'm not derailing you here one of the things that i'm going to be talking about the hackathon this weekend um is a new api that we're going to announce uh in the next few weeks and so we're not going to keep it all secret beforehand and then do like a big reveal like we did with some of this other stuff i'm i'm kind of talking about it onesie twosie uh, because I don't think it's proprietary or secret. Um, and that is the, that is a billing API. And let me, let me talk about that for a second. The developer incentive program is a fixed pool that is divvied up. Um, and that's all well and good. But as I said earlier, we don't want to have a fixed pool that gets divvied up. We want the pool to be huge, right? You still with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to think about fixed pools. And, one of the things that has driven me insane as a third-party developer, again, long before App.net existed, is how difficult it is to do billing uh, on the web. And what I mean by that is that in-app purchases are pretty nifty, and the in-app purchase API is pretty nifty, because you use an Apple ID, you click buy, and you're done, right? And it just magically shows up in your bill, and it's just it's such a great user experience, I would say. And a lot of the reasons... Um, if you remember my career in the music industry, a lot of the reasons I think iTunes worked and has had such a dominant position is that their checkout flow and buy process is so far superior to any other digital music equivalent um, that that's given them, you know, enormous leg up there. So our billing API will have, of course, not be helpful or applicable to iOS developers um, because that would not be allowed by Apple and we would never do anything <laughs> that would not be allowed by Apple. Um, that does not help developers. So this will not help them. However, if you are building a service or if you are building a web application or you are building any other sort of integration with app.net, um, you will have something available to you at some point in the near future that looks a lot like the in-app purchase API. And the idea there is that you could do one-time billing, you could do recurring billing, you could do tipping. You could do name your own price. And um, it will be very seamless for the end user to do so. So imagine you're, you know, you're looking at the OAuth dialog where in that OAuth dialog you're giving privileges to, to a specific application. Um, that application could additionally add a billing step um, if they wanted to. Um, and it would just work, right? And so having a liquid market of people with accounts that could do this sort of use case with, um, I believe will very much help to grow the aggregate pie rather than us all fighting over a limited size pie. Does that makes sense. It does. Very, very interesting. 
right? Because if you could take for granted that there's a really seamless uh, micropayments solution that works with identity and works with existing billing information and that you trust, to me it opens up a lot of doors to do things that perhaps aren't even developer-focused and that could be content monetization-focused, right? Like there's a reason the magazine was shipped as an iOS-only app. <laughs> it's because it works and all the infrastructure for payments and billing work. Um, you know, I think that I think that there's some interesting um, ways that you could use some of the tools we're trying to build and that I would love to see take off to do those sort of micropayment things for, for non-iOS apps. I'm starting to think that in five years' time, I'll just be logging onto the app.net rather than the internet, and then that will just be my life. I mean, that's, <laughs> the goal is not to build an aggregated data store that we monetize. It's more yeah. just like this is some stuff you like. You trust this thing that you pay for, right? The same way we trust our Apple IDs or our Amazon IDs or what have you. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel like, you know, because you use your Amazon ID to pay for stuff, that Amazon owns everything. Yeah. It's just really, really, really handy. It's just, right? yeah, it's just like one of the underlining things of the internet. You yeah. see Facebook doing it and Google starting to do it, Google Plus logins and things like that. Yeah. So the idea at scale is that um, it's not meet the new boss same as the old boss. Um, that is not the intended purpose. It's more of like, man, I wish someone would build a really easy way to do web billing that I tr- that I had that already had my credit card information that I that I felt was a trustworthy service that didn't do weird things. You know, that's, that's a nice to have. And I like to think it'll actually unlock value that, that is just a dead weight loss right now. Um, that's my theory about a lot of the music industry stuff is that they're creating terrible products with terrible, you know, user experiences and that, um, better software could fix a lot of these issues. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, so should we talk about, um, should we talk about, so yeah, this is what, this is what the original, my, what I wanted to talk to you about on this episode Sure. Was the third party um, developer stuff and and the, the what was the free debate at the time, which started with Netbot? Then you guys went and ruined it by having an amazing announcement. So <laughs> I haven't got as much to say about this anymore because a lot of the things potentially could be changed, and maybe some developers may wish that they'd never done what they did. But we'll get to that in a moment. So this all started um, with Netbot going free. Right, so the guys over at Tapbots who make arguably the most popular um, third-party application, and not just arguably, the stats show it, um, is Netbot. So these are the guys that created Tweetbot, and then they created Netbot for iOS. Um, They decided to go free. Um, I'll put uh, Glenn Fleischman wrote um, an Economist article about this, which I'll put in there, where he actually spoke to the uh, Tapbots guys. Then after that, um, another popular iOS app called uh, Repost. That's went, how I say it. Yeah, that's it's difficult, isn't it? I don't. I think it's Repost, um, or maybe Repost. Who knows? Um, they went free as well. So I wondered from from your perspective when you were seeing this happening. How was that? What was the the, feel, the feeling you were having when you were seeing this going on from behind the scenes? So there's a couple of things. So one, I have stayed out of these because, for the love of God, this is an open platform, and the whole point <laughs> is that developers are doing what they want. Yeah. And so the call that we should, I should be the nanny state and getting involved, um, I think is ridiculous. 
Yeah, you're so, the CEO as well, which is and we kind of yeah, you maybe you shouldn't like you know. Well, I'm going to this. I'm just trying to say that people on the service kept trying to like bait me to get involved in the debates. Yeah, and, I, and it's like, look, there are rules, and if someone is cheating the system or gaming the system, like if if a developer started emailing every user and demanding they get ten, you know they get voted up for the dip. Okay, yeah, that's a problem, and you're going to get revoked from the dip. Um, but the fact is, there have been free iOS apps since day one. Uh, River was a very early app that was always free, um, yeah. and that's existed. And for some, I don't know why, but no one seemed to complain about that. And are, it seems like they're angry that it, that like I don't really see what's different from River, which has existed and been free. Versus someone else going free. Um, like, that same debate is valid, but why didn't we have that debate three months ago? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, why is it about Paul? Like, let's have the debate about free versus paid uh, iOS apps, but w- where was all the indignation a few weeks ago? Um, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I, Yeah. I mean, I, it, think, I think for people, the problem was they were already the biggest um, so the you know the idea was, and they kind of said it themselves. They kind of stopped the app had stopped selling, so they decided that they would not take advantage of, but they would have have it go free, so that they would be able to recoup more costs from the developer incentive program. So that was where I think people started to take umbrage. Was that you have people um, like Bill, the developer of, of Felix, and and the Repost guys were they were still charging for their app and were also making money from the incentive program. And then if um, NetBot was free, they would take more of the pie. Now, they're perfectly well within their rights to do that, but I think people were wondering whether that was ethical. So so, like I said, so that's the part that I don't like. Like, if you're drawing between the lines, then it's an open platform, right? Like, that's, like it would be so hypocritical for us, for me personally, to try to get involved with with yeah. the the intricacies of that argument, um, and again, we are running the platform. So if you do bad things and you send out spam, like there's there's things that if you draw outside the lines that we get involved with. But um, on an opinion basis, as long as you're following the letter and spirit of how this thing is set up, I think that's a okay. And to me, the reason that that debate felt um, un the reason the debate felt kind of silly to me at the time was that if we're all going to be sitting here fighting over, you know, the 20 K a month developer incentive program, we're all going to be dead anyway. Right. Like <laughs> this didn't work. Like, like what a dumb, dumb argument, right? Like we need to grow the pie. You know, I mean, I think Paul had a post of this. It's like the, the goal for the developer incentive program was to help bootstrap the ecosystem. But what needs to happen is that there is big innovation that new apps get built, that new users come in, and that huge amounts of revenue are flowing through the system. And that, that's the, that is my goal. I've said that goal since the beginning. Um, rather than, you know, trying to see who got the biggest, you know, piece of the pie and arguing about, you know, oh, well, that's not fair and we should change this, we should change that. So, again, we're going to rev the developer incentive program and I'm going to announce the details of that tomorrow. Um, so we're definitely open to changing it. But, you know... It, it felt like it felt like fighting over scraps, right? We should not be starving and fighting over scraps. We should find ways to grow. And, you know, 
it seems that um, if it reaches the point where you can make more money as a developer charging for your app, or perhaps releasing it for free um, and having in-app purchase, that's great. I mean, a bunch of people were, were, were bugging me saying that we should have a separate bucket of the developer incentive program for free versus paid, which I think is a, is a really odd idea because what about an app that's free and has in-app purchase? Is that, is that a free or paid app? What do you think? Yeah, and then you need a third bucket for potentially right. not a lot of developers that are doing that. Well, what if what if they're charging too little? What if it's ninety nine cents? What, do we need to get involved in that? Do we need to nanny state that one? Like it, it just to me, it felt very much in the weeds. Um, and and again, users are voting, right? Like no developer incentive money is going to someone building an application just because they showed up and made their app free. It requires on user voting, right? Yeah. So. That seems pretty consistent with the spirit of why we set it up. Um, and again, to zoom out, given the freemium model and given what our future plans are, the best thing that we can do is, is run a, a great platform and run a great service and support devs and support innovation and do everything we can to grow the pie mm-hmm. as much as possible um, because I believe that will drive as much money as possible to devs. Um, more so than like micro optimizing um, things like this and getting caught up in the weeds on this. Um, feel free to push back on me. I just that's all. Last week when everyone was arguing about this, we were busy getting ready to launch the free tier. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, well, no, because <laughs> I don't. As, as I was saying, you know, I don't want to push you too far in it because you've you've you've, and I, I know I want to respect your opinion, your your decision to try not to get too involved on it, which I kind of I don't want to take sides between developers. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I I agree. I actually agree with that. Like I think that it's not your place to to make the decision, but I'm sure that you know I know that you're obviously ta- you've told me you're taking steps, and by the time that a lot of people hear this, they may be you know your steps for the next revision of the developer incentive program will be out, and people will be able to then read that. Uh, yes. and make their own decisions and i personally believe that you guys will have been thinking about this when reviewing it that is correct i mean i'll, I'll give you one of the things that's going to be in the post that's okay. not secret is that um usage of the files and messages api will be included in the waiting in a way it has not before um so you know how there's a default waiting for users that either don't vote or for the sort order uh, they see when they do vote yeah um, those new apis will be included in the waiting and so that will change the way the whole thing works, right? So, like, more usage of the API features could change the, the yes. waiting. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That doesn't mean that there should be, a, like, again, for low God people, don't build an app that does everything. What I, yeah. what, what I think users want is, like, really good, like, a standalone messaging app that is kind of like WhatsApp or something that's really, really, really good and uses Patter. Like, it, can, it could talk to Patter chat rooms. Um, and it's just like, that's all it does, right? That's what I or, want so bad. <laughs> this that? is the, that's the app that I want. Right. And someone should build that. They and so if someone should. builds that, they'll be eligible for the dip, right? Like that, they won't, it, the messages API is included in there. And if people really, really love this thing that ties into group chat and has all your pattern rooms in there, I think that's going to be a winner. So, so this is, God. this is, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, totally, this seems to me like, this is you guys trying to help push people into these other avenues. 
Yes. And they're clearly popular. Look at the app store charts. People love group messaging apps. The market's there. This is not, this is not some nerd sideshow. Like people love group messaging. It's really good. Build a great application. And you know, that's, that sort of thing is being supported. Same with the files API, build synchronization tools for the desktop, build something that will mount your app.net thing to your Mac hard drive, right? Mm. Build a mounting tool, build it into your FTP clients, right? Uh, build a standalone iOS app to, to manage your file storage, right? Like these things are all, you know, those things are included in the dip, right? Like, and they, those, I would love to see those things done. And, um, you know, that's, that is the spirit of the dip, right? Is to support innovation and to help bootstrap that kind of stuff. That's why it even exists. And hopefully it's such a small drop in the bucket. We'll forget it even exists at some point in the future. So, um, we're looking at this whole debate. Do you think that the free service is going to change the minds of developers? Like, if maybe if there was a developer that was on the fence about going free, do you think that now you have like the app going free? Now that you guys have the free service, do you think that might change their mind a bit? Because now there's potential people that are going to be able to pay them up front for their application and then not help wait them for the incentive program. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I personally I, I, think I, that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like, we don't want to have a planned economy where we are dictating people's business models. Like, to me, that's such a, like, that, there's a line in the sand where if you don't want the dip, you don't have to have the dip. This is, this is, I, I keep using our internal acronym. I'm sorry. If you don't want the incentive program, <laughs> um, it is not necessary for you to participate in it. So you're free to have your own business models. Um, and so, you know, we're definitely going to continue to tune it if it gets gamed or weird things happen. Um, or if, you know, it's attempted to be manipulated, but the intricacies of how people should price is just not, you know, we, we think that the market will decide better than we can for what's right for them. As it should be, I think, because it falls in line with what you guys are encouraging. As you said, you want a free, uh, not fair, you want an open platform. So you shouldn't be standing there with a scroll telling people, what they should and shouldn't be doing with their applications. That makes sense to me. That's, that is, yes, that is exactly right. Yes. It's not like Dalton said so and so it shall be. That's not how it should, that's not how it should be. And I actually support your unwillingness to give opinions, you know, clear cut opinions about these things. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if as a user you have them, but it's best that you don't give them because then the whole service may rally towards your personal opinion rather than what's best necessarily for the users. That is correct. And as a user of the service, one of the things that frustrates me the most is when other users of the service are constantly trying to get me to engage in debates like this, like that just to me aren't like would not be appropriate given what my job is. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very challenging for me (laughs) to, to to deal with that one. So take that for what it's worth. What I would like to know, though, is uh, what apps are you using at the moment or enjoying? I have them all installed on my phone. I'm sure you do. I put up a screenshot. So what I do is I install them all on my phone, and I test them all, and I have an Android device on my desk. I have have an Android tablet, and so I have all the Android apps as well. Um, And, of course, I tried all the web apps, and I do a lot. Like, you know, we have the directory. I go and check stuff out before it gets approved for the directory. Um, and so, look, man, like, what I try to do is use them all. 
mm-hmm. and and make sure that it doesn't appear externally that there's some sort of implicit endorsement happening um, by sure. the way I use it, right? So I try to, if there's really cool uses of the API or a new thing launches, I post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I try not to stick with any one thing for those very conscious reasons. Yeah. So my, what I want to do is be as supportive as possible when really cool stuff happens. So when, when Felix adds pattern support and does all these new updates that are great for users, awesome, yay, way to go, Bill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when Kiwi comes out, oh, people have been dying for a new Mac app. That, and, and, and Kiwi supports message support, you know, it's, and it's a really good implementation of messages. Hooray! Like, that's, that's fantastic to the platform, right? Um, so those are the sorts of things that I do. But um, So I literally try everything, <laughs> but I don't, uh, I don't like to say that there's certain things that I would use other, uh, over others. Again, I, I understand. So last thing I'm going to ask you today, um, what does your roadmap look like for 2013? Is it full up with things that you guys want to do? Um, so in this case, we have a pretty good idea of what we want to do, but we've staggered the order and we're willing to reorder things um, depending on what goes on and feedback from the community. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an example we briefly considered putting this, this billing thing that I mentioned earlier um, ahead of the free tier. And we decided not to because we felt that no one would get it because it's like, well, you don't have enough users. Why should I care? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it, it was, it didn't seem terribly useful without having the free tier out first. On the other hand, we wanted to have the file API out ahead of the free tier because the file API was necessary for the free tier to exist. Right, that's a huge part of the of the free tier is the file API, um, and the same with the messages API as well. Um, before we wanted to scale the thing up, we wanted a really really solid messages infrastructure to handle all these different types of apps, rather than just throwing something out the door very quickly. Um, so, in terms of the extreme short term roadmap, we're going to be looking at uh, the billion things that I discussed. We're going to be heavily supporting devs that are implementing. These APIs, um, we had to fix a bunch of bugs in the messaging API and the files API once they were integrated into real apps. So as more and more devs start to build and are coming on, we may have to go fix some stuff. Um, And then there's a few other ideas we have, but we're definitely going to reorder them depending on what the dev community demands and what seems like the most obvious thing to do. Uh, To give you another example, we added a, a flag in the API to report an account for spam or terms of service violation, yeah. um, like a two weeks ago or a week ago, in preparation for the free tier, and that would have been a really waste of time thing to do, you know, four months ago, <laughs> right? Like, not a bad idea, but just not a high ROI on time spent. And so now it may, you know, now we rolled that out. And now it makes sense to implement. And so that's that's our philosophy around around the roadmap. Cool. So. I'm done with all the questions and stuff. You got anything else that you want to talk about while we're here today? Um, no, I mean, I think that I think that it's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, I if you think about my first company, uh, I mean, we got we got uh, 26 million registered users, and I remember there'd be days when we'd sign up 70,000 a day. Mm-hmm. This was like an 08. Um, 
So I think it was even harder to do then. Um, the internet was smaller. And so I remember what it was like to start from nothing and get there. And even with PickPlease, which we were working on right before this, uh, I got, we got PickPlease to like 1.5 million users. Um, yeah. And so, look, in our mind, we've always felt pretty comfortable that we know how to grow something when it's time to grow. And this is one of those very intentional things where we didn't do it on purpose. And we wanted, it's because we wanted to do it right. And sometimes doing things the right way and doing things the easy way or the way that externally may seem the right way to do it um, isn't what's best for the service. And so, so you know, like I'm, I'm proud of the team. I'm, I'm proud of the ecosystem. And I feel pretty good going into where we're going into um, because we took the time to mindfully build this stuff out and plan things out and plan out the free tier and have the data um, and the, you know, I, we, we've seen what things look like when they get to scale and I feel a lot more prepared than the times that I've tried to get things to scale before. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, Dalton, thanks so much for joining me again. It's, it's a pleasure. And I'm going to have you back on again in a few months time because the way that you guys are going, I need to keep getting you on just so I can try and keep track of everything. Yeah. Fantastic. It was, uh, it was great to be here again. Thanks man. So, um, Dalton, good place to find Dalton. You can go to uh, alpha.app.net, obviously, to sign, you know, and to, to log in, isn't it? Yeah, but joining, sorry, join.app.net to uh, sign up to app.net. Um, or you can ask one of your lovely friends to, to send you an invite, which is. Yeah, know, I think Mike Hurley's got some. Got I some do. Invite. I do have some invites. <laughs> I've been giving them out. I, I was saying to, to Ben that I uh, I kind of felt like Oprah on Twitter this week. I've just been handing out invites left, right, and center. I do have some still, so, you know. We'll feel- make sure you have enough. Thank you. So people can feel free to contact me, and there's, you know, you can... You can find me on Twitter if you're there. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and uh, I'll try and fulfill as many people as I can, but I can't give everyone. Do you know a really interesting thing that's been happening? It's kind of horrible. So I was just at replying people, right? Yeah, they got sniped. Yeah, so many of them. So I had to start DMing people. So my yeah. DM list on Twitter is insane right now. It's just loads of <laughs> app.net invites just in a massive list. But I want people I to join the service. a good sign from our perspective. It, we've noticed people sniping, and that's pretty uncool. It um, is bad. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, yeah, but I guess it shows there's demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can feel free to get in touch with me and and, and Dalton is at Dalton D A L T O N on app.net. So uh thanks a lot Dalton it's been a, been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. We will. Just before I introduce our next guest, the guys over at um, app.net have done something really special for Command Space listeners. Now, we're the first people to try this out, so we hope that it's going to work. But in our show notes for this episode, you're going to find a link Now, this link is also join.app.net forward slash from, F-R-O-M, forward slash iMic. If you're looking for an app.net invitation, if you click this link, I believe it's going to be the first 100 people that do, you're going to get the ability to sign up. So if you can click it in the in the show notes or you can either do it from my voice there and you're going to be able to sign up for a free app.net account. So let's hope it works. Um, if not, as we said in the show, you know, I'll try and see how many requests I can fulfill otherwise. But if you're looking for an app.net account, that is the place to go. So now I am joined by Mr. Bill Kuntz. 
Hiya, Bill. How you doing? Oh, I am doing fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much for having me here. I've been looking forward to this. Yes, I uh, wanted to make sure I try and to get you and Dalton in the same show. I feel it's a you, you, nice bookends for each other. We spoke about, you obviously have not been able to hear the show yet, but we spoke about Felix on the show. Um, as I say, it's my favorite app, and we'll talk, maybe talk a bit about why that is at the moment. But, you know, I kind of want to broach with you today sort of a little bit of the background to the application um, okay. and your sort of feelings as a developer developer um uh, uh, indie of all the type of it you know you're you are an indie developer it's just you right that's right it's uh it's me and my cats and that's about it for better or worse so you know you you, you are the most indie because you've got other indie developers who are maybe a little bit more established um especially in the social networking sphere right right um, most of most of my work um is has been uh, as a consultant on an um on a on a quiet basis, I can't yeah. really talk about a lot of the projects that I've worked on. But exactly. uh, I've been a I've been a professional developer for almost sixteen years, yeah. and uh, nine of that was as a senior engineer at Netflix. Oh, cool. So most I've I've done a lot of work that uh, many um, that many command space listeners have probably they've probably used my work at some point. Yes, but uh, my name is uh, my name is not particularly known in that in uh, in that space. We thank you for it, but didn't know we were. Right, yeah. or or cursed my mistakes at the same time. <laughs> we won't. That, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about with you being Indian and some of the changes to app.net and how they might affect you. But I guess first and foremost, why an app.net client? Why have you not developed a Twitter client? What made you start now? Oh, that is a, that's a great question. Um, I, I I still remember the day that I saw the mention of app.net for the first time. Um, and that was, that was actually from Steve Streza posting it on Twitter. And as soon as I saw the, uh, was, is, is ethos the right word? As soon as I saw the reasoning behind it, I said, this is fantastic. I love it. Because any sort of interaction you have with a service incurs some sort of cost and that cost has to be uh, made up for somewhere. When you use Twitter, there is a financial component to that, even if it's not immediately available. And I loved the idea of app.net being very upfront about how that works. Say for a small fee, you can use this service and we're not going to sell your stuff behind your back. We're going to be you know, very you know, community focused and support our developers quite a bit. And I said, you know what? This is fantastic, and I I clicked over to the uh, to the support site as soon as I could, and um, you know, plunked my money down for a developer account. I didn't have plans to write in a client, but said I want to I want to support this whole hog, and I was ready to go. And a couple weeks later, I, it was my turn to get my account activated, and that, I think that was like August seventh or so, mm-hmm. and I. I, I loved how fast they were um, they were moving to towards you know having a, a, a usable product, and it was apparent how much love and care was being put into the service like instantly. I said, "This is fantastic. You know what? Let's take advantage of that developer account and just kind of poke around and play with the API a little bit." And within two days, I had you know basically gone full you know. Uh, full speed ahead on developing Felix. That's really cool, actually. I mean, I like to hear that it wasn't necessarily your intention. 
you just wanted to see what was going on but the api was so inspiring to you that you decided that it was something you needed to pursue exactly exactly and i had i had never pursued writing a twitter client i had done some social networking stuff before but uh, i had not made a twitter client and i said you know what i think i could make something really cool because it's clear that they want to do something that it may um, it may have notes from Twitter. You may be able to identify aspects of Twitter. Yeah. And it seems that it would be likely for the first features that were developed for them to be somewhat Twitter-like. Because when you're building a new system, it helps to have at least some familiar waypoints to help guide you along the path. And then once you have a sort of, a sort of foundation set, then you can really get crazy and, and build from there. And I said, that, it, that was just the hunch how I, how I saw things sort of playing out. And I said, that, it, that sounds perfect. Like it would be a perfect opportunity to um, explore some ideas that I've, been, that I've been playing with. And as that it continues to evolve, really start to get a little bit crazy and have, have some fun with how people can interact uh, with that information and with that sort of system. And it has, it's worked out. It's, it's been an absolute blast, man. Let me tell you the, the main thing I love about your application which oh, is it's how fast you implement changes. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. So like I was using Netbot, right? I mean, I downloaded uh, Felix, but for whatever reason, I, basically like I downloaded every single app.net client that was released, right, for a while. Sure, um, as have I. Um and I was using uh, Felix and I thought it was it was cool and then I was using Tweetbot at the time. So uh-huh. so then I started using Netbot cuz it was just a, I was just it was an environment that I knew of. Sure. Then I started to use Twitterific for Twitter. And uh-huh. then I kind of decided I didn't want to use Netbot anymore. Um, it just, I wanted to change from that UI because I've been using it for so long. And Tweetbot have made me kind of see these things slightly differently. Uh-huh. Um, I want, And then I started using Felix again because I liked the way it looked because I find it's a much prettier timeline. Uh, oh, thank you. I like the the circ- like I like the circle instead of the square for the avatar and mm-hmm. little things like that and some of the interactions that you do. And then I you know I would sort of flick between the two, and then realize something like it took so long for well, maybe it's that's unfair to say, but com- maybe compared to some people, it felt like it took a while for Netbot to implement private messaging, but it mm-hmm. felt like you did it really quickly. And, yeah, then, that, and then I started that. noticing these things, um, and it seemed like whenever there was a new thing happening, new mm-hmm. new API call or something, you would have it in there like it was one of the first. And that's what I love about about Felix is that I know I'm going to get anything cool really quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I really um, I, I'm I'm so glad to hear that, and and glad that that is important to you because I put a lot of time and effort into. Um, I really want to make sure that, as much as it makes sense at least, for new app.net API features. Oh, I'm sorry. My cat is about to hang up the Skype call. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, he really does want some attention. But um, anyway, good kitty. The, I, I think a very important thing for app.net is as it rolls out new features, which, by the way, happen every couple of weeks, right? The, mm-hmm. the pace of evolution there is absolutely mind-boggling. Um, 
But as those as those new features come out, I think it's really important for clients to support that as fast as possible. I mean, make other sacrifices as you must. Um, I like my strategy and like release by release tactics for Felix are really different than what I tend to recommend for um, for apps that are in other fields that may not be moving as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I think it's so important to add to add and highlight those features as soon as possible because one of the challenges for app.net's growth, particularly at, at this phase and over the last couple of months, is fighting that stigma that, oh, it's just paid Twitter because it's not. It doesn't work the same way at all, even though much of the information that you see is presented in a similar way. I mean, we're dealing with stream like streams of posts written by people. So there are the... Uh, familiar sorts of concepts going on, but a lot of how it works is pretty different, and we can do so much more there. And by highlighting those differences as soon as possible, we show that sort of unique proposition that app.net has. And I I think that's just very critical um, for both any individual app built for the ecosystem, but also for the health of the ecosystem as a whole. Because frankly, if, if, if all of a sudden tomorrow everybody said, oh, let's not use this anymore, then what's the point of having built these apps, right? Um, and one thing I found is my, uh, my users tend to, tend to be extremely active on the service. Like if you look at the metrics for posts written by a user in a given, written by um, users for using a specific client on a given day, the numbers for Felix are disproportionately higher. Like often by like, not just by a little bit, but by a factor of two or three or more sometimes. And I think, I think that's you know there's there's many um, there's probably many reasons for that. But I I like to think that part of that is at least because people are saying, hey, here's some cool stuff that I can do on App.net. This is really great, and they and they you know they they get more out of the service in that way. As as a as a developer, do you have any sort of inside track on on announcements? Because as you're saying, like it, there is quite a lot going on at App.net, and they're adding things constantly. Do, do you ever get any idea that something's coming, or do you do you literally find out when everybody else does? Um, I almost always find out about it when everybody else does. It's almost always a complete. Uh, complete surprise there um there have been you know the one the one exception i can that i can think of is i think i it was i think it was with private messages i don't remember the specific exact api feature that it was um, but it was a little while ago and they um the you know they gave a, a a public announcement to um to a specific hashtag that we look for called hashtag rollout and they said hey you know, folks, we're going to be rolling it this sort of thing out. Not, you know, they didn't give it, I don't remember them giving a specific date, but it was a little bit of a heads up, like something, um, you know, something's coming down the wire along these lines. And it may not have been private messages. To be honest, I, I, it's been such a, a whirlwind with all this fantastic new activity on app.net. I'm not entirely sure what day it is. So it could have been, <laughs> it could have been a, one of a number of features. But when the, the, the app.net team has been really fantastic when it comes to developer relations in that the stuff that we 
you know, on those rare occasions where it may be helpful for us to have a bit of a heads up, they give an appropriate amount, but they don't tend to say, you know, we don't have like some secret roadmap where we know yeah. all of this stuff that's coming out in advance. Um, so it's a, it, it's a, it's, it, it keeps things fresh and, uh, and it keeps things balanced. Um, but, you know, but if we need to be prepared you now, they're, you know, they, they let us know in the, in the rare occasion that we may need to prep a little bit in advance. So it's just one of those things. You just have to be ready. That's right. You got to be on the case. There's, there's, there's no, there's no slack in an app.net development. I'll tell you. Well, if you want to do it right anyway, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. So well, let, let's, let's talk about, um, apps going free. So okay. this, this has been something that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, mentioned it when I was talking to Dalton. You've got, you know, Netbot, Repost. What's your take on this? When it started happening, um, what what was your sort of feeling? I mean, obviously you you haven't done this with Felix. Why is that? And, and sort of what, what is your what are your thoughts on this? That is a fantastic question, and I got to be frank. I have had very mixed feelings about it over the last few weeks, and those the, those feelings have have varied. My my um, my my analysis and my emotions. Because let's face it, when you put a lot of work, um, I've been working on Felix for anywhere from sixty to ninety hours a week since since August eighth or so. And um, so you know there is you know there is that you know that personal connection to it. So I, I can't discount that. Um, there have been apps that have gone free in the past, um, quite some time ago even. Yeah. And I think there is a really good case to be made for, uh, for having a good, solid, nice-looking kind of starter app, like a, a good free intro for somebody who's just like, hey, I just want to dip my toes in and check it out. You know, it's 2013 – just working with the website is probably not going to be my 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 preferred way or may not be my preferred way of interacting with the service so let's have like a, have a good solid free app so I can try and um, I think there's definitely a place for that. I think it gets a little bit different when when that sort of free app um, standard is set and becomes the expectation and how and when that that sort of perceived dynamic change is probably it's probably outside my expertise. Probably need to call in a sociologist or something. Um, <laughs> but I had you know when the the this this new free tier came out, which has been fantastic, by the way. Um, when when that came out, um, I did see some people on there as I was kind of trolling through the global stream. Well, not trolling. I was I was reading through it. Um, and see, I you know saw some people saying, "Oh, you know what? Why am I going to pay for an app because there are a bunch of free ones?" And I I, I just said, "Well, that's people have to put." I didn't reply, but I thought uh, people have to put food on the table if you want to um, have an app be supported with any meaningful amount of time. There has to be something to pay the rent, and uh, I even looked at the you know one of the people who I saw said that I, even in their description, it said they were an iOS developer. And I was, I, I was kind of floored by that. Wow. I'll be, 
yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was pretty floored by that. Um, and there's, you know, maybe that was the, the exception. Um, and you know, even with the, uh, with the free tier, uh, opening, uh, Felix's sales have, have of course shot up from the baseline they were at. And I'm taking all of that as a very encouraging sign. Um, but I do, I do think the app development ecosystem has it, it if if a perception that all the software should be free and oh developers will be able to count on the developer incentive program for to to basically pay for that work um, I, I think that would be a big problem for for the ecosystem yeah I agree uh, I totally agree um, so you're happy I mean, with how things are I mean because I guess some people maybe were dropping to, to free because they weren't making as much money anymore but you're comfortable with, with the way that the app your app is performing like you're happy with that um, based on the scale of the service right now I would say I'm happy with it um, I think the I'm I'm over the moon with the response to the app um, one thing that one thing that's uh, that has been pointed out to me from time to time is that, well, Twitter apps are often ninety nine cents or three dollars, or some of them are free but have ads. But Felix is is five dollars, and uh, uh, and you know, making the appropriate conversions based on where the person lives, and you know the the kind of the reasoning behind that is that if 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 app.net had a few hundred million users, I'd more than happily sell it for cheaper. But if I'm only, if I'm looking at you know potentially you know not you know we've got what forty thousand something. It's changing by the hour, <laughs> but uh, we've got forty something thousand users on app.net, and so we, at that sort of scale, um, you know the number of copies that you can hope to sell is is even if you're doing fantastic, is, is fairly low. Because not everybody wants or needs an iPhone app, right? Yeah, totally. So, um, so, at the, at, you know, so economies of scale don't really apply to a market that small. Um, in order to, I mean, I don't really want to get into the specific numbers or figures involved. Um, but mm, let's just say that there are I've put in probably definitely north of 1,600 hours into developing the app, and that includes support time, dealing with beta tests, all that, all the sort of um, time and uh, time and effort involved that may not be top of mind when you're thinking about how about what it takes to develop a, a piece of software and support it in the wild. And with that 1,600 hours, my normal gig is to be a is to be a consultant. And I think I hear the sound of many of your listeners who are also consultants doing the math on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it definitely does not pay for itself in that regard. In fact, um, until the free tier went up, it didn't even pay. It didn't even cover my bills. So I'm, you know, from you know from that sort of standpoint, developers. I think our main competition was. Not necessarily with each other, but it was more. And in fact, um, for the most part, um, 
relationships between developers have been really collegial. Um, consider myself, I consider consider several several of them to be very good friends, which has been fun. Yeah. Um, but our, the main challenge that we all face together is in helping to grow the user base uh, in in whatever you know whatever humble ways we can. And uh, App.net, of course, has done a fantastic thing for that this week. Um, so. You know, ask me again in a week or so how the uh, um, how the sort of glide path um, to sales based success looks. Um, but I'm 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 hopeful about how things are about how things are going right now. So let's let's talk about the the free service. Um, how has it mm-hmm. how has it made a, an impact on you? Um, my push server is is a lot busier. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I bet. Say that. So you're seeing uh, a lot. You're seeing a lot. Obviously, you're seeing people are getting a lot more push notifications. Right. I apologize uh, for that personally. Yeah the the active daily user base has has gone up several. T- you know, it, I'm not even sure the exact multiplier right now, but it 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 shot up instantly, and the and the growth continued. It wasn't just a one day. It wasn't just a one day sort of jump, which is very encouraging. And I mean, to, to people buying the app has there been a change? Oh, absolutely! It's it's the the sales figures are several times higher than what they what they were on a day to day basis. Great. So that's that's been very that's been very encouraging. I'm, I'm very very pleased to hear that. I mean, and how do you, looking at the you know what we were just talking about with the um, with apps going free? Do you think mm-hmm. that people that some developers may have jumped the gun a little bit? Absolutely. And you think without, that maybe they wish they might not have done it? I don't think. And you know, what, I'll be I'll be frank. I don't think they should have done it. I think they I think they missed an opportunity. And, and I, um, yeah, I, I, you know, there's there's no way for anybody to have to have seen the future. Um, you know, at the time, you know, at the time, I'm sure it made it made sense. And who am I to say or speak to um, the business needs and plans of another? Um, but I, I do think it was probably a bit of a. It, it was. I think it was probably would have been best to to sit and to sit and wait a little bit longer on some of those decisions. But again, that's yeah. just me, and I can't second guess them. But that's how it looks from where I sit. Especially if it was only for a couple of more weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think probably you know I, I if we if we had if we had you know if we all had crystal balls for that sort of thing. Um, well, then we'd we'd probably be emperors for life of our countries of choice and all that sort of thing. Totally. Uh, but uh, um, you know, hindsight's hindsight's always twenty twenty. But mm-hmm. I, I am I am definitely encouraged by um, by the you know by the changes um, that have been that have been brought about by the free tier. Not just you know not just for uh, Felix's potential, but uh, but more importantly for for App dot net. So I think it's really fantastic. So one self-serving question before I let you go. Okay. iPad version? Yeah, actually, um, I have been working really hard on it. That's by far the number one, um, the number, by far the number one question on that. And let me tell you a little bit about how I've been approaching that. Um, for, for my own personal social networking use, I tend to prefer using the iPad. So from a personal motiva- motivation, scratch your own itch sort of situation, um, it's it's probably the highest thing on my list. Um, the actual mechanics of making that happen is very difficult. Um, and 
or maybe not difficult, but complicated because, you know, obviously it's, it's a, it's a boatload of work and it's also extremely important to me to remain nimble and be able to adapt to any changes that app.net brings down the wire um, as fast as I can. And especially now that I'm in a, like a multi-way sort of competition for, for attention with, with, um, two very solid apps that are also free. Um, you know, my, you know, my main advantage that I can have on that is to, is to keep, you know, banging out those updates as fast as I can. I think this last one, I think it was the 12th or 13th since 12th or 13th version of Felix since, since September. Something like that. Um, so in order to do that, what I've done is I've sort of broken down all of the tasks for the iPad version. And many of those things can be done step by step and then popped out to the iPhone version at first. And so um, that's been sort of my guiding principle for the last several months. Um, full screen view was an example. Um, the navigation puck, which is actually supposed to go with the full screen view, but private messaging came along. So I sort of diverted um, diverted from the plan for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and some stuff I'm working on for version 1.5, which is f- quite a ways along, actually. Um, some of the stuff for 1.5, is all, those are also things that are actually from the iPad checklist. But if I get them out into the wild on the iPhone first, then A, users are better served, and um, B, it's, you know, the iPad version is just that much closer. So um, I have no idea when that will actually happen, when that will actually be complete, because who knows what app.net will release in two weeks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, but it is a, uh, it's, it's a really high, it's a really high priority for me, for sure. I'm pleased to hear that, because I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I will be happy to provide it to you, my friend. Then I will look forward to it. So, Bill, seriously, man, thank you for creating a great application. Um, thanks for joining me today. Tell people where they can go to find Felix and where they can find you. Wonderful. And thank you so much for having me here. I've had an absolute blast, and I, I love your show. So this is a, a particular honor, and I'm, I'm so pleased to hear you like the app. Um, uh, my name is Bill Koontz, and it's Bill – It's well, you can probably find me most easily on app.net, and my username there is – Bill K U N Z, um, and there is a, a link to Felix in my bio there. But you can find out more about it at TigerBears.com/Felix. That's F E L I X. Awesome stuff. So, yep, Bill, thanks for joining me, and um, thank you all for listening to this week's bumper edition of Command Space. Um, next week's guest is going to be Mr. Lex Friedman of Macworld and the Unprofessional Podcast, so make sure you tune in for that one. Um, yeah, thanks for all for listening. You know where you can go to, to find show notes. You go to 70decibels.com forward slash Command Space, C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E. If you enjoy the show, I don't really ask people to do this very much, but feel free to leave a review in iTunes. It always helps us get noticed. Um, I am on app.net and Twitter. I am iMike. I am Y-K-E. Thanks very much, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye.